And welcome to the Audio Choke, MMATorch.com. Thanks for having us on iTunes, or if you're just streaming us here at the website. We appreciate you being one of the dozens and dozens of listeners. We hope. I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. We were like number six or seven on the iTunes download. For, really? For the MMA Torch grouping. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the sixth or seventh most popular podcast here at MMATorch.com. Which I think there's only two of. I think maybe even three. <laughs> Multiple downloads, though. Oh, I got yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Good for us. Pat let's, on the back, guys. Let's not, let's not overthink it. Pat on the back. back. So uh, I missed something pretty cool over the weekend, I guess. You know, Strike Force had an event going on. Yeah, there was a there was a big Strike Force Overeem, to do. back in the hizzy. Yeah, fighting legit MMA fighters. What's up with that, Overeem? Yeah. And he won in impressive fashion. So that that was nice. Yeah, Alistair Overeem uh, beating Brett Rogers TKO punches in the first round of the main event of Strike Force Heavy Artillery from St. Louis, Missouri, Saturday night. So it sounds like he's finally deserving some of this hype that he's built yes. up over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, you know, he fought some legit fighters back in the day, but it's been a while. And, like, you know, I mentioned it last week. I actually had picked Rogers as kind of the, uh, you know, giving him the upset pick. And I, I was surprised Rogers just kind of did not look the same he had in his fight against Fedor or, um, before that, Andre Arlovsky. You know, he he didn't seem nearly as aggressive as he had been in the past, and wasn't you know throwing you know as heavy uh, combinations together. He was just he just seemed a lot really tentative against Overeem. I think he only really landed one or two strikes, um, and you know I was expecting him to come out you know kind of more guns blazing against someone like Overeem, who has demonstrated in the past you know he'll take you know if he takes a few solid shots he'll uh, he he has a hard time recovering. And yeah, Rogers just didn't put it together and ended up uh, getting tripped up and uh, ground and pounded out. Um, pretty. Pretty dominating fashion by Overeem, and then he called out Fedor afterwards, which is uh, which is excellent. That's what you want to see is you know top heavyweight competition. You know, hopefully we'll get that match after um, Fedor uh, fights Fabricio Verdum. Um, you know, I think Scott Coker, Strikeforce head, threw it out there that like, hey, maybe uh, maybe Verdum will beat Fedor, but everyone, uh, I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen. Yeah, it's certainly an unlikely scenario. I would love to see the uh, Alistair Overeem versus Fedor fight get put together as I think um you know, like I've been one of the, the big critics for Overeem, but mm-hmm. it sounds like he's uh back willing to uh fight in America in strike force full time. And uh like I said, he, he really proved his spot here because there's been a lot of speculations. I pretty much had him unranked yeah. at this point because, you know, he's been doing mostly kickboxing and when he's been fighting mixed martial arts he's been fighting a bunch of nobodies. Uh, and everybody's saying, like, oh, yeah, Overeem's the uh, the biggest threat to Fedor. He's the biggest threat to Fedor. But it's like, you know what? He hasn't really fought anybody. He's been fighting Gary Goodridge's and Fujita and, you know, a lot of guys who may have some name value from a really long time ago but aren't really of any relevance today. But he just took out a guy who was top ten, was on a huge streak, looked really yep. good against Fedor, and, uh, you know, maybe Overeem would have that shot to uh, to be the guy. Uh, you, you kind of mentioned that he's known to fold under pressure, and that may end up costing him against Fedor. But if he can uh, dictate the pace and, and not screw up, then I think he's got a legit shot. Yeah, and I, I think it's you know I, I think Fedor would be a strong favorite in that matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean Overeem's got he's got legit striking abilities, you know. And again, we we talked a lot about how he hasn't fought anyone legit, you know, MMA for a while. Until this Rogers fight, but I mean, you know, I, I did a bit too, but just kind of just just 
devalued what he, you know, the the traits he does have a little bit. I mean, he he does have very good kickboxing. He fought K1, you know, so he's got good stand up, and he's also very good on the ground. He's got a lot of submissions. So I think that combination, you know, it, it might not be, you know, he might not have the uh, the skills to put it all together against Fedor and you know be the guy to beat Fedor, but at least that that combination of good stand up and good ground game uh, could could be a very interesting mix for Fedor. And uh, yeah, I, I'm. I really hope that fight gets put together. Like I said, you know, on on TV he called him out, and you know, of course, you know, fighters say all kinds of things they don't mean, you know, and then their management gets in it later. But I mean, he said, you know, hey, I'm here, I'm here to stay. Um, I'm sure we'll still he'll still fight overseas a bit, but hopefully this uh, Overeem will fight more frequently in Strike Force now. And um, they did. Uh, one of the things he mentioned it was during uh, one of the pre-fight interviews uh, with Mauro Ronaldo on the Showtime card. Basically, just asking him, you know, why haven't you fought since you beat Paul Puantello, you know, in Strike Force? And he basically said, you know, there wasn't. Uh, he, he basically said it was a lack of uh, good competitors in Strike Force, which, uh, you know, you could argue that, you know, whatever. But uh, what you can't do now is make the claim that there isn't that competition here now. Yeah. I and mean, you know, Andre Olovsky's fallen off a bit. He's on a three-fight losing streak, but that's a former UFC champ right there. Uh, you have the guy who just beat him, Antonio Big Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Uh, you know, Fabricio Verdum, I think actually beat Overeem, so you got a you got a built-in rematch there, and of course you have Fedor. So there's there's plenty of talented heavyweights in Strike Force where I don't think you know if Overeem tries, you know, it, you know, again, you know, if, if he tries something like that and you know tries to put that claim out there that there's no one no one uh, legit for him to fight, uh, I think people would have a bigger problem with that now as they you know than they did you know maybe two years ago. Well, that was something that I actually read uh, from Scott Coker, which. He- Seems like kind of a surprising read from the owner of an organization, but he yep. said, you know, I had him fight in late 2007, and I didn't have any fights for him in 2008. And then, you know, 2009, he had some fights scheduled, but things happened. He got injured. He broke his hand at some point. So, you know, 2009 was kind of iffy, but if the owner of the organization says, I didn't have any fights for him yep. for a year, uh, you know, I'll take that. That sounds pretty legit. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, too, I mean, Strike Force two years ago, you know, when, when Overeem won the championship, wasn't on the national level. It was still the locally, uh, you know, the San Francisco, um, you know, area, or not San Francisco, California area uh, fight promotion. You know, it wasn't this national organization. It didn't have the deal with Showtime. It didn't have any deal with CBS. It was just, you know, a, a regional promotion who was able to get, you know, some guys of some name out there and get, get some fights together. But as far as, you know, like, you know, people complain about their roster depth now. They had half of that, you know, when they were still a regional promo- regional promotion. So uh, we'll we'll see. And it it sounds like everyone involved, even M1 Fedor's management, uh, you know, came out and said, you know, like you know, uh, we're not we're not looking past uh, Verdum, but uh, we'd we'd like to have that fight set up. And I'm sure there'll be all kinds of craziness going on between now and then. Insanity yeah. because Fedor has to lose one day. You know, it, he just yeah. will. And it seems like Overeem is being um, bred to do that right now. Right, and he's definitely, at least from a presentation standpoint, you know, um, one of the few guys... I mean, because really, we want to see Fedor fight UFC heavyweights, but, you know, who knows if that's ever going to happen, because a lot of the top heavyweights, aside from Fedor and now Overeem, and, you know, one or two other guys, uh, all the top heavyweights are in the UFC. Um, But Overeem's one of the few heavyweights outside of the UFC organization who's legit competition, you know, top ten fighter, you know, a ranked, you know, well-respected heavyweight uh, outside of the UFC, and I think that matters a lot. Because Fedor, you know, he's taken a lot of heat for, you know, not fighting the best, not signing with the UFC. And, um, you know, there's, you know, he they had the Josh uh, Barnett fight set up. Uh, they had, you know, but aside from that, there's not a lot 
else of you know top competition left for Fedor outside of the UFC. So I think you know they they've got to if they want any legitimacy for you know their belt or for the you know their their promotion in the heavyweight division, you got to set up that fight. I mean, just the way it's uh, you know building and I, I don't think people expect that uh, Verdum's going to give Fedor much trouble. So you know, hopefully, no hands get broken, no uh, no no noses get busted up. And uh, Overeem and Fedor can come together, you know, hopefully by the end of the year or something. But, uh, uh, you know, Strikeforce has had to renegotiate with M1 a lot. You know, basically every time Fedor has fought afterwards, they got to renegotiate. Yeah. Hopefully this just won't, uh, you know, fingers crossed for this one that we can get Overeem versus Fedor. That'd be that'd be great. And I think that's going to be quite possibly the biggest issue is the, the M1 deal. Yeah. I'm sure Fedor would love to take the fight. He yeah. is... A fighter, you know, he, he wants to go out there and beat the best. Um, you know, he, he's kind of funny compared to a lot of fighters where he's never really said, like, you know, I'm doing this for legacy. I'm doing this for the glory. He just wants to get his paycheck, feed his family, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you got to know that he wants to beat the best guys out there, especially since he's basically been on top of the sport for seven years now. Yeah. And, um, it's really got to be his management that's been holding up a lot of this stuff because they want the co-promotion, they want this, they want that. Everyone wants this fight to happen except possibly M1, the Vlad, Vlad Finkelstein. Yeah. Um, you know Scott Coker wants it. I'm pretty confident Overeem wants it because you know he's as confident as any other fighter mm-hmm. out there. And with the role that he's on, even if it's been a lot of subpar competition in terms of mixed martial arts... He's got the striking to do it. If he can stand up and not take a, a huge punch from Fedor, he can potentially win the fight. And, uh, you know, what's that going to do to his career? Well, yeah, and the only person that's in the losing situation in that fight is M1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's well, the Fedor's only thing. leverage, yeah. Right. As soon as Fedor loses a fight, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter why he loses, M1's stock is going to plummet. Yeah. They they've got nothing else. I mean, there's a handful of other fighters under the M1 banner, but I mean, who, nobody knows who the hell they are. They lost Gayhard Musasi a while back. Yep. and yeah. he was the only other name they had. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got the other uh, Emelianenko, but he's had so many issues getting cleared medically to fight in the states. I don't think that's even an issue. You know, like I don't think they've been able to get uh, yeah. Alexander on, on any cards. He I believe he's M1. Yeah, he hasn't accomplished anything since Pride folded. Right. Yeah, and he just can't get fights in the states. So, but yeah, I mean, M1 has this co-promotion deal with Strikeforce, and they want to have more M1 fighters on the card, which you know that's that's a claim. But you know, Fedor is their leverage, and you know, this isn't like a situation where Fedor loses. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, he was never that good. It was just a situation where he's like, okay, well, now kind of like the mysticism's gone. So, you know, he's still, you know, going to be one of the top heavyweights of all time. It's just, you know, M1 won't have that piece of like, oh, he's the best heavyweight, you know, ever. He's undefeated because he has like the one cut loss, I believe, was basically it. But, you know, it's just like a little bit of that uh, you know, that aura will be gone. And I, I think, yeah, M1's protecting their asset. Um, I understand why they do it, but it's it's so frustrating as a fan, and I hope they can really uh, get this fight to come together because uh, we want to. We want to see it, and I don't know if we're going to see Overeem in a fight between now and, you know, whenever this potential Fedor matchup is, because we've got Fedor fighting next month, um, and, you know, besides the hardcore fans, this this fight card was on uh, Showtime, you know, I, I don't know if Overeem, despite, you know, his credentials, really has much uh, name recognition right now with the mainstream MMA fandom, just because he's been off the radar for so long, you know, he got this comeback fight, and that's been covered a lot by MMA media, but, you know, 
you know, the the tough generation of MMA fans probably just don't know who Overeem is. Or if they do, they probably recognize him from getting knocked out by Chuck Liddell. Right, on the best of pride. Everyone saw that. Yeah, yeah. which is probably at this point Alistair Overeem's most famous moment in the United yeah. States. Which is probably <laughs> not helpful. If he keeps this up, he's yeah. going to have a, a really good profile very quickly, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And First among, round knockout, he's huge. Yeah. Among yeah. us in the hardcore circle, yeah. I mean, he looks great. He looks unstoppable. Uh, he looks like he can rival, you know, the, the top heavyweights of the UFC. Uh, whether he would, you know, rise up to be the champion in UFC, that's up for debate because, you know, there's plenty of monsters over there. Yep. But in terms of non-UFC heavyweights, he's one of the two guys, basically. Um, you know, there was Josh Barnett, but he failed the drug test and ran away. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't... I he's mean, fighting in Australia soon. I don't know if you guys heard. Oh, is he on that card, too? Yeah. The, there's uh, a lot of names on that card. Yeah. What Paul, is that This that card? Oh, it's got... Ken Shamrock and Mark Coleman, I think. They were supposed to fight each other, but I think they're fighting different opponents now. Paul Daly is on there now. Yeah, uh, Impact FC. They're doing a three-city tour in Australia in, in July, uh, July 3rd, 10th, and 18th. Oh, so they're different cards. Yeah, they've got cards in Perth, Brisbane, and Sydney. And it looks like um, multiple. some of the fighters are fighting you know, on each card, which is impressive. Yeah, um, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, well, I mean, you just kind of hope they don't get injured. But, yeah, Jeff Monson, I think, is signed for all three. Pedro Hizzo will be fighting yeah. in there somewhere. Sokoju's on there. Paulo Filio, which probably won't happen since he, <laughs> just, he just no-showed Bellator. Did he? He did, yeah. They had to bring in Jay Silva, who recently got cut by the UFC, and he lost in six seconds to Hector Lombard. Nice. Uh, but it's a nice highlight reel for uh, Hector Lombard. I it's got to be in six seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, just, you know, a little little quick exchange and then right on the chin. Is yeah. this Australian thing going to be on aired anywhere? Uh, I have no internet? idea, honestly. Uh, I, don't, I don't know too many details uh, regarding, like, the I don't know if it'll be a pay-per-view thing or, or what, but, uh, you know, they've got they've got the cards lined up and announced now. But uh, okay. as far as, like, availability in, in it, the it's, U.S. It's knows? possibly on some obscure pay-per-view channel. Sure. I mean, if the Alaska Fighting Championship is on pay-per-view, it's got to be on there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you can find these things on the Internet. I managed to watch Ken Jamrock's last pay-per-view on the Internet. Ooh. That's oh, where he took yeah. on the 300-pound man or whatever. Right? Oh, man, that fight was awesome. Yes. <laughs> Back to, it reminds you of the good old days of UFC 1 and teeth kicking and <laughs> groin punching yeah. and, and karate chopping black yeah. sumo guys. Harold yeah. Howard. All that good stuff. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Um, Andre Arlovsky? Yeah. Three fight losing? Yeah, he's on a skid, but on the plus side, he didn't get knocked out. <laughs> That's true, and I hear he took some pretty big shots to the jaw. Yeah, from Bigfoot, Antonio Silva, who showed much improved stand-up. You know, I picked Arlovsky for this fight um, just because, you know, despite his questionable chin he's had in the past, you know, I, he he does have, a for a, especially for heavyweight, he's got very good boxing uh, not only just, you know, like uh, power, but good technique and speed. And he just seemed sluggish the, uh, on the Saturday card. He, he just wasn't uh, – I mean, he seemed, you know, kind of the same thing I said about Rogers almost. Not that I was expecting Arlovsky to blitz Antonio Silva because Silva's got some heavy hands himself. Um, but, you know, I was expecting him to be a little more aggressive, and he just didn't seem willing to – you know, he, he didn't seem willing to as willing to engage. And when he did, he just wasn't landing. You know, they did get into a few exchanges, and – it seems like Silva was always coming up, you know, landing the shots first, you know, either getting a, a good good shot in on Arlovsky's chin and or, you know, just the quick jabs getting getting those in. Arlovsky just wasn't connecting. Um, you know, I, th I think most people had it all three rounds for Silva. Some people, I think, gave the second round to Arlovsky. But, yeah, it was just one of those things where 
you know, he just didn't did, – and, you know, it, it sounds with a lot of fighters. It's just like it looks like the game's kind of just starting to pass them by or they've just lost a step. And you don't know if that's them on declining or the other fighter just, you know, like, uh, you know, excelling past them or, or what it is. But he just didn't seem – you know, like even in this Fedor fight that he lost after trying to – a flying knee, you know, he, he – he had shine. He had uh, moments where people thought, you know, like, oh, he's actually, you know, landing on Fedor. He's he's holding his own against Fedor. He's looking very good. And then he got, you know, KTFO'd, and then lost in 22 seconds to Brett Rogers. And you know, of course, the questionable chin came in. And yeah. But uh, no, he just, uh, I don't know. I don't think he's like, you know, done. You know, that's. I think people always want to jump on the, you know, like, oh, he's lost two in a row. He's lost three in a row. You know, for any fighter, this guy's done. Um, you know, I think Arlovsky is still a quality heavyweight. I don't think he's top ten anymore. You know, with three three losses in a row. But um, you know, I I'd expect him first of all as name value to stick around Strike Force. He was one of got one of the biggest ovations during his introduction. And uh, you know, he's still he's still uh, I think a good guy to I hate to use the term gatekeeper because I think he's still you can still put him in there with top guys. Um, but he's a very solid heavyweight. You know, he doesn't have any. Aside from his questionable chin, he doesn't have any huge deficiencies. He's he's pretty well-rounded where, you know, if you want to test an up-and-comer against him or, you know, someone who you want to give a title shot to and a fight or two, I think Arlovsky's the guy to test him. And, you know, again, he's I think he's still got legit skills. Just uh, he, yeah. he just seemed off. You know? He looks like he's going to be a jobber for the rest of his career, huh? I guess. Not in there just to lose, you know, using the professional wrestling uh, right. terminology, but... Um, you know, the the odds are going to be stacked against him from now on. You know, they're not going to give him anybody to build him up. You know, he's going to be there to help other people. Look yeah, I, I think so. Or, or just like, you know, the idea that he's not, you know, because a, pe- a lot of fighters, you know, the top echelon of, of fighters, whatever weight class, you know, there's those guys who are always just one or two fights away from a title shot, and Orlovsky's just not there anymore. You know, he's going to have to yeah. put together an impressive, you know, string of wins if he wants to sniff a title shot again. Um, but on the same side, not to, you know, like I said, I, I say that a lot, you know, like a fighter looked out of it or a fighter look, didn't look themselves. And I don't mean to take that away from the other fighters. Uh, you know, Antonio Silva looked had much improved stand-up. He looked really good, uh, you know, and, you know, he's – I was kind of surprised he kept it sane as long as he did. He's got legit ground skills. I believe he's a black belt jiu-jitsu. But, uh, you know, he was willing to stand and engage with Arlovsky and then, you know, clinch up, go for takedowns, that sort of thing. Um, so he showed very, very impressive skills. You know, I, I, I heard about Antonio Silva a while ago, and, uh, you know, uh, I've seen a couple of his fights, and, you know, his last fight against Verdum, I wasn't, you know, it was a decision. You know, he looked all right, but uh, he he was kind of one of those guys people had on the radar. So like, oh, this could be in the next kind of big big heavyweight guy, and, uh, you know, I think he, he's on his way, perhaps. You know, he lost a lot of steam with that Verdum, um, Verdum loss, but... One thing that's kind of struck me about this match, um, after Arlovsky lost by knockout to Tim Sylvia, he looked really tentative in his next couple fights after that. Uh, the rematch against Tim Sylvia, or actually the third one, mm-hmm. with the five-round decision that you know pretty much bored everyone to tears. And uh, his next few fights after that, he really didn't unload a whole lot. He uh, he was doing more jab, you know, circle, try not to get taken down, try not to punch, get punched on the chin. Um, and he really just he, he lost a lot of his aggression in a lot of yeah. those matches, which I think is part of what made Arlovsky such a beast in the past. You know, when he was fighting Fedor, I actually kind of felt that he, while what he did it gave him success until he ended up losing, um, you know, I thought his best chance was just going to be to go in there and, you know, try to land that big bomb because he's got yeah. the speed and power when he's aggressive to just, you know, go out there and throw a huge punch and put fools away. 
But um, it seems like after he loses by knockout, a lot of times he slows down his game. He tries to be more methodical, more technical at the expense of what I think is what made him such a great fighter. Did you kind of see that in this fight? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, 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 nothing against, you know, fighting the smart fight or trying to, you know, like wear an opponent down. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Arlovsky's appeal has been, you know, that in, in the past he was a bit more aggressive. And that can cost you, I mean, looking at his record, I think six of his eight losses have all come by knockout, you know, his, uh, had, and then the other two were drop decisions. But, yeah, um, certainly I, I, I think the idea, you know, because he, he's had success kind of picking apart opponents. Um, you know, I think that's how he basically beat Roy Nelson. You know, he, he, he landed a big KO shot on him, you know, uh, back in, uh, that was 08, the Elite XC fight. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, he can overwhelm opponents with his boxing, land some solid shots. The same thing against Ben Rothwell. That knockout came in the in the third round. But those, you know, I think it's that idea where he, you know, really does land those two really powerful shots to finish a guy off after, you know, working a successful game of kind of uh, picking at him. Um, but at the same time, he's got those first-round knockouts as well, um, you know, against somewhat lesser competition sometimes. But, um, no, it was really weird. And, you know, he, he was able to work the leg kicks a little bit in the Silva fight, but then he didn't really follow up on that too much. I think he might have been worried about, you know, just, you know, when you throw a leg kick, you expose your face to getting punched, you know, which is something he's, he I would imagine. Susceptible to. Yeah, clearly susceptible to. And, again, he did take some good shots in this fight, but I don't know if you you get better, you know, I think that's just kind of like a case-by-case basis. I don't think you, there's anything you can do to make yourself give yourself a better chin, as it were, you know, be less susceptible. I don't know if there's, like, you know, can you can you work out your chin? Do, you like, you know, you chin can, lifts or something? You know, I don't if, know. If you've got a strong enough neck muscle, you can yeah. keep your head from snapping back as much. But that's really all you can really do about it. Yeah. That was kind of one of the other things I was going to ask. Did Silva look like he was putting a lot of power into them and they just didn't look like they had power? Or was he doing more of a, a poke and jab style that's uh, that's a good question. I think at least one looked like it had some pretty legit power behind it. A couple other ones were just kind of like you know the pushing punches, but um, you know, and at least one time Arlovsky, you know, looked like he had got wobbled a little bit, but it recovered pretty fast. But yeah, these weren't like uh, I mean, the Fedor fight. First of all, I don't think anyone should give Arlovsky grief for getting knocked out in that manner. No, he got knocked out in the middle of doing a flying knee attempt. Yeah, anyone would have got. He shouldn't have been doing the flying knee attempt. That that was a that was a mistake there, but. Uh, Freaking home run hit from Fedor to the face in the middle of a flying knee is going to knock anybody out. Yeah, th- there's no shame in getting knocked out by that punch. Getting hit by it might be another yeah. story, but yeah, that would have put anyone away. But yeah, um, you know, Silva wasn't throw. You know, he wasn't he wasn't throwing like these huge haymakers or anything like that. Um, but it, it, he he had some legit power behind him. It looked like. Um, so yeah, who, who knows? I, again, I don't think you know the Strike Force commentary team was like, oh, this proves Arlovsky's chin isn't as bad as everyone thought, and. You know, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I, I think it really is a case-by-case basis, and some guys just hit way harder than others, you know. Um, but, but who knows? Um, it, I think kind of now the talk is, you know, there might be a rematch between Rogers and uh, Arlovsky, which um, I, I don't know. If I was Arlovsky, I'd be pretty tentative about that. I mean, sure, the guy beat you in 22 seconds, so you can make, make the argument that was a fluke, and I think that was a short-notice fight for Arlovsky, but, you know, I, I think... Brent Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see an article over here that he yeah. looks like he could uh, go abroad to do some fighting. Right, because uh, Strikeforce also has the deal set up with Dream. So, mm-hmm. you know, both Rogers and Orlovsky are looking for rebound fights. And I'm not saying they're looking for easy fights necessarily, but, uh, 
you know, I, I think you have a harder time selling a rematch with someone who knocked you out in 22 seconds if you're on a three-fight lose skid versus, <laughs> like, you know, avenging a loss later on down well, the line. Well, Brett Rogers has lost two in a row now yeah. as well, yeah. so someone's got to come out a winner on that, right? You know, right, in that exactly. match. And they both had their streak start with Fedor, <laughs> which not a whole lot of shame there. Right. So, um... Ronaldo? Yeah. Souza? Hmm, winning? Jacare, yes. That was, um... It, Probably one of the guys who's going to be in line here for a Strikeforce middleweight title shot. Um, at this point, I think most people are kind of assuming Jake Shields is done with Strikeforce. Yeah. I'd be very and, – and which is horrible because, I mean, you know, I want to see Jake Shields fight top middleweight fighters. Um, or, you know, if he goes to the UFC, welterweight, honestly. But, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot left for him in Strikeforce except for Jacques Array, who was the one – one of the guys in Strikeforce um, – who really could see people saw giving Shields problems. Um, he's got, as mentioned about a bazillion times on the Strike Force card, he's got world-class jiu-jitsu, not, not you're just like, oh, he's got a black belt. I mean, this guy's he's a, he's a monster jiu-jitsu guy. Um, and he's got improved stand-up. He, he, he showed it off against uh, Matt Lindlin, and he actually you know showed better stand-up here against Joey Villasenor, someone who, you know, an amateur boxing background, has always been considered, you know, well-rounded, but, you know, good stand-up fighter. And, you know, uh, Jock Ray held his own. And so I think that would be a very interesting combination to see someone, you know, fight Jake Shields with, you know, superior jiu-jitsu ground skills. Um, and, and, you know, Jake Shields just doesn't have good stand-up, and I think Jock Ray could give him trouble standing up, too. So that, that would have been an interesting matchup. So I'm disappointed, you know, if it doesn't come together, that we won't be able to see that. But at the same time, if Shields does go to... UFC, I'm excited to see who he could fight. Yeah. But, uh, no, I was I was impressed with Jacare, you know. Uh, I was surprised he didn't get a submission, and I think that's more of a testament to Joey Villasenor kind of, you know, being better defensively on the ground than a lot of people uh, were expecting. I mean, he got taken down basically at will by Jacare, but at the same time, you know, he was able to get up. He was able to avoid the avoid the submission. So that was that was something, um, you know, he didn't have much on his own. Uh, Villasenor didn't have much offense of his own. You know, there was a couple, you know, he'd flurry just, you know, one or, get a couple good one or two shots in, and then Jacare would take it down or answer. Uh, I think Villasenor had a flying knee attempt at one point, but it, there wasn't any point where I thought Jacare was really in trouble. It was almost kind of like, um, and I'll, I'll probably go to it again when we talk about uh, the Gracie fight, but just kind of waiting. It's like, okay, how's he going to win? Is it, is it going to be from submission? He's taking him to a decision. Is he going to surprise someone to knock him out? But it was just kind of like you, you, the smart money was on Jacare, and people just kind of like, oh, how and when? And, uh, you know, it went to decision. I think he, sh- he looked good, you know, maybe had a little bit in the gas tank issue where people were, I think, maybe a little surprised that, you know, he didn't gas out bad, but you could tell he was slowing down towards the end of the fight. As, uh, But, you know, he was working a lot for submissions and takedowns that whole time. So That'll do it. Yeah, but uh, I'd like to see, you know, he's, he's, his name's in there for contendership for the middleweight belt, whether it's on Jake Shields or whether they have to, uh, you know, have a have a mini tournament, an unofficial tournament. Um but, uh, you know, that's kind of coming out online today, you know, seeing uh, basically what Strikeforce is saying about, you know, if Jake Shields leaves, who's going to be in the mix. And I don't think it's anywhere near like an official tournament, which would be fun. But, you know, just, you know, lining that up for cards can be difficult. So it's going to be, you know, like, oh, we'll have, you know, Mayhem Miller will be in there, provided he doesn't get suspended. Uh, Jacques Array, uh Dan Henderson is going to be in the mix. Uh, some of their other uh, Middleweight contenders, fighters uh, will probably be in there as well. I'm spacing out a couple of the other names, but uh, I looked through uh, just like a little list of things that they were talking about, and um, 
couple of names that really surprised me that weren't on the list. Uh, mm-hmm. Kung Lee, which I can kind of see because he does the movie thing. Yeah, well, but, he's coming out that bad loss, loss to, or the upset loss to Scott Smith. And he was the other name that was noticeably absent. I was really surprised that Scott Smith wouldn't be in the running for a... I mean, if it was just like a, a match, one-on-one for the yeah. belt, that'd be one thing. But, you know, if you're going to have a, a eight-man tournament or so, yeah. he's definitely a guy that belongs in there. Yeah, I think they'll probably because I mean I think Kung Lee the Kung Lee Scott Smith rematch has, has been made official at this point. Oh, I, has it? I believe. Let me let me actually double check on that. Um, so I'd imagine the winner of that will probably be in the unofficial uh, Strike Force middleweight kind of contention tournament. But uh, we'd have to see. And yeah, I think the problem with Kung Lee is you know he he's uh, you know been a bit uh, he's hard to he's hard to nail down because he is uh, yeah he just doesn't you know he's doing the movie things so he he just doesn't have necessarily have the time commitment that uh, people are. Uh, Hoping for, but uh, you know, Frank Shamrock's still looking at fighting. Oof, I don't know. I remember hearing him talk some smack about getting back in there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think he'd be, you know, in the running. But you know, who knows with Strike Force? They have always had the depth issue. But I think middleweight, they've got you know enough there where they wouldn't need Shamrock to to bolster yeah. it. But uh, that and heavyweight are probably their best weight classes in terms of depth. Yeah, I mean, and they've got, you know, adding a little bit more to the light heavyweight, but still, you know, it's it's not not a lot there, you know. I mean, we're talking about uh, Hodra Gracie being 3-0 and in strike for, or 3-0 in MMA, having a potential title shot in a few a few more fights if he sticks around in yeah, strike for. after fighting Kevin Randleman. Kevin Randleman, yeah, but... Um, I guess that's a, that's the best transition we can get. Did you guys have any uh, any uh, thoughts or questions on uh, Jacare's fight against uh, Joey Villasenor? Why do they call him Jacare? Because it's his nickname? Yeah. What's it mean? Mm. I bet Nothing. the internet knows. No, yeah. it doesn't matter. It kind of does. A lot of the time with uh, Brazilian fighters, it's easier to say their you know, Absolutely, nickname than yeah. it is uh, their, their actual name, especially since you know a lot of them start with an R, and sometimes it sounds like an R, and sometimes it sounds like an H, mm-hmm. and uh, you know sometimes things are pronounced strangely. So uh, It's his nickname, The Alligator. Huh. The Alligator, cool. all right. So that's what... Uh, Alligator is in Brazilian. Yeah, and he comes out doing the alligator clap for uh, his I, I think that a lot of a lot of that has to do with his submission and, and jujitsu acumen is just that you know he's it's like rolling with an alligator. The alligators have such tight grip. The death roll. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. yeah. So it's the same type of thing. Cool. I guess. Nice. Um, All right. Gabriel Gonzaga. His nickname is Napao, which is apparently Portuguese for big nose. Napao. Mm. Napao. I mean that sounds like the name. It's Nepal sounds cool. It's but like, so fun to say. But like it being big nose is kind of yeah, not, not a cool nickname. Not the most flattering nickname. Yeah. Although maybe in Brazil that's like a, a yeah. more flattering thing <laughs> than it would be here in America. You know what they say about people with big noses? Yeah, ah. they're good jujitsu guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we mentioned Hodger slash Roger. However you want to, whatever you feel like calling him today, it doesn't matter. The other Gracie, the light the heavyweight other, Gracie. Other Gracie, the yeah. new Gracie. Yeah, the the one of the last great hopes for mo- uh, the Gracies in modern uh, MMA. You know, until like the great 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 grand Gracies yeah. roll up in the MMA scene. Uh, defeated Kevin Randleman, submission rear naked choke in the second round. Um, this is another one of those fights where uh, it was basically just kind of like looking at your watch, being like, oh, when's when's Gracie going to kill Randleman with a submission? And uh, it took longer than I thought. Randleman held his own. He fought a bit of a smarter fight than he normally does. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't crazy this time. You know he was had some success in uh, avoiding the takedown for a little bit against uh, Gracie, and then you know there wasn't wasn't impressive in the stand up, but uh, you know d- didn't overcommit, didn't expose himself too much to like you know 
you know, throwing too big a shots and then, you know, falling prey to a, a quick takedown, something like that. But again, Randleman, I think, is just, you know, way past his prime, just isn't it, it, one of those fighters who the game's just kind of passed by. He'd get by in his wrestling, his strength, uh, kind of the brute force thing back in the day, much like, you know, a Mark Coleman, something like that. And But people with more well-rounded games, uh, I think, are just going to give him trouble. And, uh, you know, Gracie had, uh, he's working on his stand-up, and he was actually able to land successfully some good shots on Randleman. Uh, actually, you know, I think the the strike that ended up getting Randleman to the ground and and finishing the fight was a was a knee. Um, but you know, Gracie's like six foot four, six foot three. He's freakishly tall for an MMA fighter. You know, um, that big for an MMA fighter. No. Although they, the weigh-ins yeah. looked awesome, where they were standing next to each other. And oh yeah, he made look Randleman look like a like a I mean a very ripped angry kid, but Randleman <laughs> looked like a kid nonetheless. I mean, just the size difference. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I think hope. I think the thing with Gracie at this point is, you know, clearly he's got one of the best grappling games, you know, in the world. Um, and you know, he just, you know, once it went down to the ground, it was just kind of a matter of when he was going to get Randleman to tap and with what. Uh, you know, finally got that rear naked choke on, and it was uh, pretty tight. I think Randleman basically went out as he was tapping. Uh, so I think now the question is kind of, you know. Gracie's fought three times over the course of several years. You know, he's got, you know, he's got other commitments. You know, he can make money just being an, a jiu-jitsu coach, a jiu-jitsu trainer. It's not like MMA. Not like the Gracie family is hard up for money. Not like they need to take these MMA fights for uh, for the cash. He was one of the few fighters I've ever seen, you know, Crow Cop, another, who just doesn't have sponsorships on his shorts. And it's always weird just to see a guy come out in, like, black trunks. And you're like, huh. Mm-hmm. But, uh you know, the Gracie's got plenty of money in the bank from, you know, the jiu-jitsu, you know, whether it's by the infomercial DVDs or actual jiu-jitsu academies, you know, overseas. They, they, they're not hard up for cash. So if he really wants to commit to MMA, I'd be really excited to see what he can do as a light heavyweight, um, you know, you know if he can improve his stand-up more, and see what he can do, you know, with a few more years of, you know, MMA training or MMA commitment. But, uh, it, again, it sounds like, and again, who knows how much you can take from the post-fight interview, you know, what a fighter says immediately after a fight. But, you know, it sounded like he was interested in fighting some more with Strikeforce in MMA, so that would be uh, that'd be fun. Uh, hopefully we get to see that. And I kind of alluded to it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, nothing. No, I mean, yeah, of course he'd be want to keep on fighting. You know, uh, Gracie's have had a tough time of it so far. He's fighting yeah. for some well, no, family honor and Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's kind of like, I mean, you say, of course, he'd want to keep on fighting, but... That, that's kind of the thing. guess he can quit while he's ahead, huh? Right. You know, like, you know, again, it's one of those things, you know, like the Gracies don't really have anything to prove. I mean, you can make the argument, you know, in MMA, they're not relevant anymore. But, I mean, they don't really have anything to prove at this point or, again, need the uh, need the prestige or the acclaim of being MMA fighters. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a... Yeah, I mean, are we going to miss anything if uh, if Hodger Gracie doesn't stick around? Right. Like, uh, it's just, you know, so... Someone with a superior submission game is about it, you know. Again, one of the greatest, you know, just you know, grapplers. But uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you know he doesn't necessarily need MMA, and you know, if he wants to put his time in, I think MMA could benefit from you know having someone that good on the ground at that weight division. But uh, but again, it's it's kind of those things where you know, is he is he going to commit full time? What what do we what can we expect to see from him down the line? Um, and and hopefully, you know. Again, just with strikes force depth issues, especially at light heavyweight, you know, it, it could be if he puts together a few more wins against some quality uh, light heavyweight opponents, you know, we could see him fighting for for a title here in a little bit. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me, you know. And again, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the experience in MMA, but 
you know, their champ right now, Mola Wall, is uh, also relatively... Uh, yeah, he's only got six fights under yeah, his belt. Yeah, he's he's a, still a little wet behind the ears in MMA, but uh, that would be a fun fight just because, you know, the, you know, someone with legit, you know, really strong wrestling credentials versus someone with really, really good jiu-jitsu grappling credentials, that, could, that would be a... That'd be an interesting fight, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how interesting it would be for people to watch, but uh, from a technical standpoint, it'd be fun. Now... Who does Strikeforce even have between Kevin Randleman and Emperor Lowell? Uh, Mike, um, Mike Whitehead. Oh no, he's he's under arrest. Uh, oh snap! What did he do? <laughs> no, this was a while he got busted for pot, I believe. Um, oh, idiot! Yeah. So uh, that that's no good. Um, yeah, I think well, I got to double check here before I put my foot in my mouth. But uh, speaking of you know other other people in the light heavyweight division, uh, I believe uh, Antoine Britt uh, he lost to. Um, uh, it's totally space. Uh, Cavalcante. Yes, um, Rafael. Yeah, in there. Uh, that was the first fight of the night, and that was at the light heavyweight division. And that, that you know, I, I think that's kind of the uh, where the next perhaps contender for the light heavyweight belt for Strikeforce might come from is that uh, Cavalcante. You know, he, he 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 was having some issues with Antoine, Antoine Britt earlier on in the fight, but then you know was able to land on him and, and knock him out KO punches in the first round. Uh, pretty impressive, actually. But both fighters looked pretty good. You know, even in the loss, Antoine Britt, you know, he, he got knocked out, but he, he showed some flat. He, had, he was able to put it on Cavalcante a bit there, and Cavalcante, you know, uh, coming out of Black House, I believe, but, you know, he had uh, Anderson Silva in his corner. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we saw him challenge for a title, you know, next or, you know, in, a, in another fight or two. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we, you've got your Antoine Britts in there at light heavyweight, and there's a few others, and, um, you know, but yeah, again, just off the top of my head, who else does Strikeforce have at light heavyweight? You know, well, they might have Dan Henderson there. Yeah, he he can go back and forth. But again, it's one of those things with you know Gracie's experience. You know, yeah, he beat Kevin Randleman, a a former UFC champion, but it was like UFC teens, right? I mean, that was yeah, it was a long time ago. Not not really the same category now, so it doesn't have that that sway. But uh, you know, he's still a developing fighter, and I think someone who can you know avoid a takedown and you know, someone with good, better stand-up than Randleman could could get him in trouble. Um, so we'd have to see. I think it would be a big, big jump up to take on someone like I mean, you know, Masasi just lost, you know, the heavyweight shot or the light heavyweight shot. So I think that would be too steep of competition. So yeah, you, know, you got to find like, that. Uh, you got there's got to be some more middle ground fighters out there. One would hope. The only people I can think of that are under that uh, the Strikeforce banner are you know. Guys that one would think would be too big of a step up. You know, there's the Dan Henderson, the Musasi, uh, Babalu would be another possibility. But all those guys are, you know, they're pretty big names, even if they're not right in the the mix for the the title in the immediate future. They're, uh, you know, they're pretty legitimate guys, and uh, you know that's going to be a really tough fourth fight. But you know, the only other option that I know of is basically just some complete no namer. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking through, you know, some of the other uh, fighters' credentials here. I mean, you know, uh, Mola Wall, you know, he's he's only fought twice in strike force so far, and that was Mike Whitehead and then uh, Gegard Mousasi. Um Oh, I guess they've got um, they do have uh, Babalu. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's he's scheduled to fight at a catchweight with Robbie Lawler. Uh, That's next, the E3 event. Yeah, next next month at E3. E3. Um, you know, they've got a. Not under direct contract, but I mean, uh, so could you spot in Strike Force before, and he mm. was, uh, you know, that might be an interesting enough fight. Yeah, that's that. That's I mean, more or less, you're 
Sokuju, I think, has a judo background, but at the same time, you know, he's been kind of dreadful on it, off of his back. You yeah. Know, when, when, if he gets taken down, he gets in trouble, you know. But so, he's got a lot of power standing up. Right. So that could be a potentially kind of just interesting style fight up to show, you know, someone that Gracie would have trouble with standing up, so someone he'd have to be able to get down uh, quickly to, to deal with. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I just, you know, matchmaking for strike force is so much harder, you know, than it is for the UFC, again, with the depth issue. You know, you can see maybe like, oh, who's their next fight going to be against? But anything long-term is kind of kind of difficult to see for a lot of the weight divisions, which, uh, you know, it happens. But uh, say I, I, I'd like the idea of, you know, I know Soka Jews, I believe, on that Australia, the Australia card's coming up here. But, uh, you know, I, I think a Soka Jew fight could be fun uh, with uh, Hadra Gracie, but who knows? Uh, and I believe, you know, I mentioned the... Uh, Cavacante Antoine Britt fight, so I think that was that was the main card uh, on the uh, undercard. We didn't get to see uh, Lyle Beerbomb uh, versus uh, Shailen Ribeiro, but uh, that was uh, Beerbomb took a split decision there. Uh, sounds like it was a, bit, a little bit of controversy, not like a full-on you know robbery or anything like that. But just some questions, you know, just a close decision. Yeah, split, of course. So. I heard it was one of those ones that could have gone either way, and or you know, could have been a draw or something ridiculous like I- that. Anytime thing. one of the judges picks uh, one guy, and you know, the other two pick another guy. Oh, I guess I shouldn't say anytime because there are crazy, crazy judges out there. But as a general rule, if it's a split decision, there's not a whole lot to complain about usually. Yeah, so just a very close fight, um, and you know. Uh, it's it's out there on the internet and we can do it too. But I mean, you know, just the typical strike force doesn't show their prelims. You know, they it was again, they uh, they were about half an hour, twenty minutes, you know, under their allotted time for the card, and they just they just don't show prelims. And you know, I think a lot of that might have to do with their Showtime deal. You know, so I don't want to place the blame squarely on strike force. You know, if Showtime isn't interested in doing that, then they're not interested in doing it. What can strike force do? But it's just like one of those things I'd like to see happen. You know, and I don't. Uh, yeah, well, their their main event was scheduled 25 minutes yep. and ended up being a three-minute fight. Yeah, and, you know, if you were not going to... Sh- Lyle Beerbaum-Ribeiro uh, fight was uh, kind of like the the big the biggest of the undercard fights. A lot of the other ones were kind of like regional guys. But uh, at the same time, you know, that, that fight went to a decision. But a lot of the undercard fights uh, all ended in the first round, you know, within a couple minutes. Uh, submissions. Uh, looks like almost all submissions. Rear naked chokes. Yeah, rear naked chokes, <laughs> the guillotine. Uh, you know, I think one of the other fights went to a, a decision on the undercard. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they have the opportunity as far as the fights go, you know. But uh, who knows if that's a format thing with Showtime or, or what. But uh, just as a fan, I'd like to see more fights. Um, I guess it's not as big of a deal as it is with a UFC pay-per-view where you're like, oh, I paid my, like, 45 bucks. I want bang for my buck. You know, Showtime, it's a premium cable channel, but it's not, you know, plunking down hard change, but I think it's just, you know, people are used to it, you know, you, oh, we got some extra time, let's throw on a prelim, let's see a prelim, so when that doesn't happen, you're just like, uh... Well, also, there's something to be said for building up the fighters. Exactly, you gotta, you know, like, let's say Lyle Beerbomb in a couple more fights, you know, he's, I believe he's undefeated, um, you know, and Strikeforce has had this problem already, you know, a guy challenging for a title or in a, in a marquee matchup who no one's seen before. Yeah, if I can remember correctly, uh, Frankie Edgar versus Tyson Griffin was a undercard fight. Mm-hmm. Two guys I had never heard of before put on one of the best fights to this day that I've ever seen. And, um, you know, they got a huge fan base out of the deal. Both of those guys have had their careers followed very closely because they were just fighting balls to a ball aggressively. And under Strike Force's format, they would have picked up some, you know, some viewers by now. Obviously, Frankie Edgar is the lightweight champion. Yep. But, um, you know, at the time, 
nobody knew who they were. Uh, you know, I, I was a pretty big fight nerd at the time, and I didn't know who the hell either of them were. And, uh, you know, it, it's fights like that that get your name noticed. And you would think that Strikeforce, being a promoter, would want to get their fighters noticed. Yeah, I mean, there, there's that to be said there, and that's an excellent point, and I, I, I do agree with that. I mean, yeah, if you got the time, show some guys, showcase some guys who show, you know had an impressive fight, that sort of thing, get their name out there, build them up. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, the UFC basically is Spike TV. Um, so in addition to being able to show prelims on their, on, you know, showing prelims on their pay-per-views, they also, you know, like, oh, you know, this is a good fight, we'll put it on, like, uh, one of our UFC syndicated shows. Uh, Strikeforce just doesn't have that. Um, back in the day when they were so kind of smaller and didn't have the um, the Showtime deal, they did have a half-hour, like, 1 a.m. block on NBC, but that was the time where they could kind of show, you know, their collection, their fight catalog off a bit more, and they just don't have a show like that anymore, you know, and I don't know if Showtime would be wanting to commit to that, but, you know, it, they show, like, eight reruns of Nurse Jackie. I don't know why they couldn't put on, you know, during their, you know, week of programming. Yeah, a half Showtime hour or, Sports or something Right, like an, hour, an hour, half hour highlight reel, you know, where it's, you know, some of the best strike force fights and then some of the undercard fights people don't get to see yeah. where you can, uh, you know, develop these guys. Oh, I'm with you, man. Dip into some of that uh, yeah. HBO territory a little bit. You know, as far as premium cable goes, um, it seems like HBO kind of has the market for them, you know, so... And if it was like three hours allotted to them, and then it ended twenty minutes early, throw on a fight. And yes, Lyle Beerbomb is uh, undefeated. Yeah, he's undefeated, and you know his last fight in Strikeforce was on a Challengers card, which that's their that's their place to you know uh, build guys up, that sort of thing. But uh, you know, not as many people watch that. But uh, again, he fought Dwayne Ludwig, who has since gone to the UFC, uh, not done well in the UFC, but still, I've seen Dwayne Ludwig fight more than I've seen. Uh, Lyle Beerbomb fight. He's been around for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, even, you know, some of these guys get their names out there without six, having as much success. And then you have, have a guy like Lyle Beerbomb who's, you know, undefeated, you know, fought several times in, in the promotion and, and just doesn't have his, have his name out there. So, you know, and again, I'm not necessarily if this is directed directly at Strike Force or Showtime or whatever, but, you know, as someone who wants to see, you know, progression from fighters and from promoters, you know, if Strikeforce wants to keep building an audience, they've got to have something more out there than this Challengers card, their their main event Showtime cards, and then, you know, every once in a while a CBS card, and who knows if they'll have another CBS mm-hmm. card. But, you know, they, they they need something more to build an audience. You know, maybe put fights up on your website, something. Yeah, well, I mean, they already paid the fighters to fight. Exactly. It's not like showing it to us is going to cost them anything, even if, you know, yeah, if they did it on the website. Uh, it, it's not going to cost them anything extra other than, you know, bandwidth, which pretty cheap. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, <laughs> hopefully we can get a – that was the one nice thing, I believe, about Elite XC uh, back in back in the day, you know, the Kimbo era yeah. of Elite XC is, you know, you could go on their website and look up fights. And I don't think they had, like, all their, you know, huge fights on there, but you could look up fighters and you could, you could see highlights of them, clips of them, that sort of thing, you know, or, or watch full fights, I believe, and you just don't uh, – as much bad things as we in the MMA community had to say about Elite XC, that was yeah. that was pretty damn cool. Being able to watch fights for free, some of like you could watch live fights for free on their website a lot of times if it was just not available elsewhere. I don't think they ever ran a pay per view, did they? You know, um, I, I really honestly don't remember. They, they, they were on TV, but you know, they they had other shows that were not on TV, and it's just like go online, watch it there. Yep. But uh, you know, overall the Strike Force card, um, you know, it was it was a quality out of fights, um, you know, for people who were kind of upset or bored by the last fight card on CBS, which went overtime and you know all five round decisions. 
there, there was not that was not to be had on this card. I, I, I enjoyed. And the it's fights. a completely wrong place to have it too. Right. Uh, you so know, these guys are just victims of bad timing, I guess. Yeah, and you know, Strike Force does well on Showtime, but again, it's premium cable. How much are you going to get people to watch? And I think it really is just like a name value thing. Um, you know, like I said, I think I said it last week on the show. I, you know, this this on paper looked like a more exciting. Uh, night of fights than their CBS card, but I think it was the idea of having, you know, like, oh, our champions and Dan Henderson and blah, 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 putting that on CBS because you, you, it's a different market. You have to get solid ratings on network television, whereas if you're on premium cable, that sort of thing, or on pay-per-view, you don't need these, you need good numbers. You don't need, like, astronomical numbers to stay go, keep going. Um, but, yeah, no, I think this was a better night of, night of fights um, as far as, you know, people always kind of have the same complaints coming after a strike force card. We mentioned the prelims. And production, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the commentary. And the commentary is always going to be a problem with fights, with MMA and cards in general. I mean, you know, Mike Goldberg and Joe Rogan are kind of the standard now, and they're not always that good. You know, Goldberg has a drinking game named after him. You know, Rogan, <laughs> Rogan's good. He knows the he knows the fight game, but he, he can uh, basically make you think a guy's winning a fight who's not, that sort of thing. So everyone has their issues. But Strike Force, I don't know if it's the three man booth or, you know, Gus Johnson who, you know, seems to be interested, have a passion for the sport, but just isn't that knowledgeable about it. Um, you know, that that can cause some issues. And Frank Shamrock always seems to have an agenda in there. Yeah, and I I, I think he's a good enough commentator, but he really seems to let his bias in there a lot of the time. Right, and, you know, I, I like the idea of f- former fighters being active on commentary and even, you know, active fighters have proven to do well on commentary. You know, Randy Couture, I guess he was kind of inactive during part of that time. Yeah. Kenny but, uh, Florian? Yeah, Kenny Florian. Uh, Frank Mir for a while was pretty decent on commentary. Uh, Jens Pulver actually has been good on commentary in the past. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, but... It, it it's just stuff that sticks out, and yeah, Frank Shamrock's one of those guys. He's always, and you know, nothing against him personally or anything like that. But he, you know, he still fights every once in a while, and he still always seems to be pushing, you know, himself. Yeah. You know, and, and throwing stuff out there that, uh, you know, and that just you're watching fight, you're like, that's not what's happening. Like this is what's being said on the commentary, and this isn't just a Frank Shamrock thing, but you know, it was kind of kind of evident during the Strike Force card is like what's happening in the fight isn't what's being relayed through the commentary. Um, the thing that sticks out to me, and I think stuck out to a lot of people, was during the Via Senor uh, Jacare fight, where it, it sounded like, you know, oh, it's a really close fight. This could be, you know, this could come down to the last minute of the fight. You know, Via Senor, you know, he, he he could win this. Who knows? And he wasn't, unless he like, you know, killed Jacare with a flying knee at the mm-hmm. end, was not going to win that fight. You know, he was getting taken down at will. Um, he was surviving, but he wasn't doing anything productive. So, um, you know, it's just just one of those things. But at the same time. Um, you know, every, everyone takes shots at, you know, the, the production afterwards. So um, yeah, I share a lot of those concerns with the prelims, with the commentary. I, I kind of like the two-man booth. Uh, and Pat Militich actually does a much better job on commentary than, say, uh, Frank Shamrock or Gus Johnson. Um, so I'd like to see him get more involved in, like, the big strike force events because he, he's basically, I believe, reserved for um, the challengers cards at this point. Um, but at the same time, uh Strike Force does not have Gladiator Man at their intro. They don't have uh, horrible new metal to begin their shows, um, which is a really like kind of minutia thing. But like that, I really appreciate that val- their production values on that end. Sure, well, well the, the pre-fight videos, that sort of thing, yeah. they can come off as a little kind of cheesy or overdramatic. Mm-hmm. But I just think um, what we're conditioned with the UFC, you know, like oh the black and white talking heads thing, which is interesting. That sells the fight, but at the same time, it's nice to see. 
uh, it mixed up a little bit, and like they, they actually have pretty solid, uh, you know, again, like you know, it's a cool model. alternative. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool alternative. You know, they got the uh, they they sell the fights that way, and again, like their intro video for Strike Force makes it seem kind of like something you you makes it seem more like a, a sport. Again, no offense to the UFC's Gladiator Man and uh, Face the Pain, which is getting kind of you know tiresome. But I guess right. you know repetition, and you know you, yeah, they're just it's building a product. But yeah. yeah, so Strike Force has like the same three or four kind of minor problems that they yeah. always have. Yeah, and I'm sure that they need to become cognizant of this sooner or later. You yeah, know, yeah. and whether that... they choose to do anything about it is really yeah. it's in their court. It looks like. The major thing is, you know, put the prelims on there. Let's yeah. get more fights. Yeah, one or two. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah, the thing that kills me is not so much that they've got some issues. It's that they don't seem to have any, like, addressing the issues at all. Um, I mean, we got to see the highlights of Mayhem in the the last show, mm-hmm. and that was the worst possible time to do that. They mm-hmm. did that on the show where they went over by 45 minutes. Yeah, it was... And, a... you know, this would have been a perfect time to even just yeah. show highlights of a fight if that was what they wanted to do, which I'm not really a fan of showing highlights because you can really change the story of a fight if you don't show the whole thing. Right. But... At least you get the fighters' names out yeah. there, that sort of thing. I'd rather see the highlights of a fight than nothing. Right. And I think this, is a, this goes back to, you know, for years people have talked about the UFC getting a network television deal or being on HBO or something like that. And Dana White's always just been, you know, adverse to the idea of, you know, giving up control of his product to, to you know, an outside source. And, and I think this is the argument for, you know, this, this is Dana's argument right here. Because, you know, whatever the problem strikes for us having, I think not all of it, but a lot of it does have to do with the Showtime and CBS issues where, um, you know, Strike Force might, you know, have fights they want to line up or, you know, plans they have in, in Showtime or CBS to be like, oh, that doesn't fit with what we're trying to present, you know, so there, there's I think some back and forth there that um, you know, and, and again, it really does come down to, I don't really care who's at fault, I just I just hope we see some progression in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott uh, Coker looks like uh, Larry Flint. Walking. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, kind of, we've been talking a lot about Strike Force, but uh, an, an interesting development uh, uh, seen online here um, talk of, and this is, this is you know, as good as the UFC is, the one thing people always kind of give them crap for is co-promotion, which, again, the UFC shouldn't be co-promoting. They have plenty of, a laundry list of reasons not to. But, uh, you know, we do get the kind of fun crossover with Dream and Strikeforce, and now it sounds like there might be some talks about Strikeforce doing a crossover with Bellator, co-promoting a fight between Gilbert Melendez and Eddie Alvarez, which would be awesome. Yeah, I guess they were talking about doing a little something with Roger Huerta, but it didn't work out. The, the terms lost. and conditions. Did he lose? He lost to uh, one of the, I believe, Pat Curran. It was one of the Currans. Did he have a second fight? Cause yeah. I, I know he yeah. won just he won a few weeks ago. He won his first fight, and then he lo- Yeah, I mean, the tournament, you know, the guys are fighting every three or four weeks. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, he won his first fight in the Bellator tournament and lo- took, a, took a close decision in his lo- loss in his uh, second fight, and people were kind of surprised by that. But, um, yeah, it was pretty surprising. Um but yeah, you, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Roger Huerta kind of co-promoted with some other groups there. But uh, and I don't think this like ruins his stock or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was kind of, that was one of kind of the big Bellator upsets. Everyone just kind of assumed when Huerta was coming in, it was going to end up being a Huerta Alvarez fight for the for the belt at the end of the yeah. season. But um, That's no, interesting. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited to see. You know, I don't know if it'd just be a one-off deal, and it's all very you know kind of. Early at this stage, but yeah, it sounds like I think it was MMA Junkie who talked to Scott Coker about the idea of 
uh, promoting a fight between Eddie Alvarez and Gilbert Melendez uh, for the lightweight at lightweight. Um, I don't know if it'd be like a you know a unification belt thing or you know just have one guy or whatever, but that that would be fun. You know, two two top ranked you know top ten lightweight fighters and again who aren't in the UFC, two belt hol- belt holders. You know, again belts aren't necessarily all that important except for you get a five round fight. Um, that that would be fun to see. I, I'd be excited about that. Um, I, don't, I don't think it would happen until you know Alvarez has got to fight the winner of the the lightweight tournament yeah. in Bellator, but. Uh, well, I would think it would be a lot more competitive than the Shinji Aoki fight. Yeah. yeah. If nothing else, Alvarez uh, is much more of a well-rounded fighter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's not going to be a situation like that fight was where one guy just desperately needs to get to the ground, and since he's not getting to the ground, he's just losing, yeah. but, uh, you know, he's not engaging either. This would be a much more of a mixed martial arts contest. With two well-rounded fighters. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be very cool. I guess this all kind of happened. Uh, Bellator put out a press release, basically like kind of campaigning for it. And then you know, uh, I guess MMA Junkie asked Scott Coher about it, or he he con- he told them, you know, like yeah, we're, we're interested in doing that. Let's, let's try and get it together. And who knows, you know, when or if that'll come together. But just the idea of, again, the UFC has plenty of good reasons for not doing it. But you know, when 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 co-promotion does come together, and you know, who knows if it. You know the business side of it works, but as fans, that's fun to see when you get top top fighters from different uh, promotions fighting each other. Yeah, well, it's especially cool with an organization like Strikeforce mm-hmm. because the UFC they've got plenty of guys to fight their champion. Right, they they have multiple guys ranked top fighters. Yeah, you know, like if their top contender for whatever reason isn't able to take the fight, they've got the next guy. They've got the guy after that. They've got a bunch of dudes who are ready to step up and fight for that title. Strike Force, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were just talking about uh, at their light heavyweight, like, uh, who's in there between Kevin Randleman and King Mo? You know, there, there's a couple guys in there, but there's not really any depth. So for an organization like that, it's a lot more important just for the sake of having legitimate contenders, legitimate people to fight your top guys. Uh, the co-promotion is really good for them in that aspect. Yeah, I agree. Um, other than that, we got a there's a Strikeforce Challengers card this Friday. Oh um, man, that's crazy. Um, you know, it, it's funny. One of the fights I was actually looking forward to on this card has actually been pulled. It was uh, Carrie Vera was actually going to be fighting, uh, mm. which I think would have been only her third or fourth MMA fight. Of course, you know, Brandon Vera's significant other. Right. But, um, you know, a, as far as women's MMA has come, you know, we haven't seen a lot of depth. And she she seemed to be one of the kind of up and comer coming uh, fighters, uh, female fighters who you know has a legit you know uh, I, I believe Muay Thai stand up background, um, and you know really put it on uh, her her opponents in her previous fights. I think she actually fought on the Bellator you know just uh, Bellator card last year, and then of course just smashed Kim Couture, um, but that that fight got pulled off. I believe it was an injury, but you know she just uh-huh. wasn't, wasn't able, that fight wasn't able to come together. Um, so that that was you know one of the fights I was looking forward to on this card, but uh, in the main event it's Matt Lindland who uh, you know in the twilight downside of his career, but uh, you know at one point you know was considered top ten in his division and you know he's coming off of losses to um, Vitor Belfort and uh, more recently uh, Jacare, and he's taking on Kevin Casey who you might not recognize the name but um, he he's uh, guilt by association with uh, reality star Spencer Pratt. Kind of reality star, which pseudo. Is, which is hilarious. <laughs> reality star villain. Yeah. yeah. 
the uh, faux reality, reality star yeah. villain Spencer Pratt. Who, now, what show is this on? The Hills. Yeah. MTV's The Hills. Oh, oh see, I'm not even familiar with yeah. the show. But, As uh, you shouldn't be. Yeah, you, you should not be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Matt Lindland, uh, MMA veteran, taking on uh, you know relative newcomer to MMA, Kevin Casey. I believe Kevin Casey, three and one. Which he's got this rap video, and it's a great oh, highlight awesome. reel for him. Yeah, yeah. kind and, of. Yeah, but... It, and, uh, you know, I I don't know much as much about Kevin Casey as I'd like to to, like, be able to, like, legitly, you know, legitimately predict this fight. And I think it really hurts Kevin Casey to have this associated with Spencer Pratt uh, because uh, people just don't want to take him seriously. Uh, but he, he, I think he's got legit grappling, you know, jiu-jitsu credentials. Uh, you know, both of his wins, uh, all three of his wins, rather. Nope, two, dis- two uh, submissions, one decision, sorry. Um, you know, so he, he's got some... A good submission game, both wins, uh, submissions coming off uh, rear naked chokes. Uh, he fought earlier, uh, or late last year on Strikeforce Challenges card as well. Um, and Matt Lindland has so been susceptible to, you know, submissions. I mean, Jacare put it on him, but Jacare is kind of a jiu-jitsu ace, kind yeah. of a monster on the ground. And again, I just don't know enough about Kevin Casey, um, but, uh, you know, just from a taking him seriously route, uh, having a rap video that features Spencer Pratt dancing in the background... Not going to help your legitimacy until, like, people see more of you fighting. Yeah, I mean, he looks buff. He looks short. He looks like he can have a pretty good ground game. And, you know, Spencer Pratt isn't in there crazy amounts. He's just, like, in the background. It's pretty funny, though. Yeah, it is. It's funny. I would say that any publicity is good publicity. Uh, You you look at Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, guys who come from pro wrestling, which is, like, this huge hated thing from uh, mixed martial arts purists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, all kinds of people are wanting to see Brock Lesnar lose. Not quite so much with Bobby Lashley, uh, partly because he's just had uh, much less success in terms of, uh, you know, fighting top guys just because he hasn't done it. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, he he isn't going with a, you know, heel role that Brock Lesnar seems to enjoy. Um, but at the same time, you get these guys who the purists may hate, but the mainstream people, the people who don't know everything, you know, mixed martial arts fighters are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. There's only a few Chuck Liddell's and Cheeto Ortiz's where they're names that people know. Um, so, I mean, this... Pratt guy, <laughs> and, and you know he he's popular though, and he's yeah, he's popular for no reason. But there yeah. are people out there that don't think he's a douche, which is strange. Right. But well, even if you think he's a douche, which uh, I'm completely uninformed on this one, so I'm not going to comment. <laughs> but whether or not you think he's a douche, if you know who he is, you might see his buddy fight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were we were watching his uh, Kevin Casey's rap slash warning video to other MMA fighters, mm-hmm. which, you know, features, you know, Spencer Pratt. Which I a think bit. every single yes. uh, mixed martial artist needs to put out a rap music video. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the best thing about, uh, what was it, the, uh, the IFL? That was the team-based? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they had, they had League. oh, goodness Well, goodness, you know, Boss Rutten, you yeah. know, with his musical career, you know, yeah. quality is yeah. out the window. Who need, you yeah. know, but as long as you do it. But, I mean, this Kevin Casey video has over uh, several hundred thousand views, which is probably more people than have ever seen him fight. Honestly, I mean, no offense yeah, to him, but yeah. he's, he's only got four MMA fights. It's a it's a smart way to promote yeah. himself, and he's gonna obviously he's uh, good enough to get himself a shot. And now it's just like, all right, well, let's yeah. see what he has. Yeah. You know? And on credentials, you know, I'd, I'd favor Matt Lindland, but again, he's kind of on the waning end of his career. But I mean, even guys he's lost to are just such high level fighters. You know, it, it's hard to it's hard to put that in relevant terms. You know, he lost to two very solid fighters recently, so he's on a bit of a skid. He's he's old. He's you know that sort of thing, but 
he's still got legit skills. Who knows how the, he'll stack up against Kevin Casey? He's certainly got uh, a, a solid background to yeah. go on, being a uh, a former Olympic wrestler, I believe. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, you know, he's getting old. The game is passing him up. But also, you know, he's been dabbling in politics. Mm-hmm. He, he ran for like senator, or governor, or something, mayor yeah. in Oregon a few years back, and uh, he lost. I don't know if he's trying again, but he seems to, you know, kind of be putting mixed martial arts in the past. Is like, how much effort is he really going to be putting up into this fight, especially against a uh, relative no-namer? Yeah. Certainly a guy who has no actual mixed martial arts credentials. Right. Uh, you know, is he going to go in there and train? Is he going to, you know, just try and grind this one out, uh, you know, because he should be the favorite? And I think that could play a lot a, into it. He's fighting in Oregon in his home uh, hometown area, so uh, maybe that will give a little extra motivation, but uh, we'll see. Also on the card... Um, Again, it's, it's Strikeforce Challengers, not a lot of well-named known fighters, but uh, ones that stuck out to me, uh, Tarek Safadine is on this card. I saw him fight a couple uh, cards back for another Challengers card, and he's uh, I think he's also fighting out of Team Quest. Um, but he, he impressed me in his fight. Uh, he's 8-2. Uh, his last win was um, back in February, took a decision win over James Terry, um, and he's fighting, I believe, at, um, I believe, Welterweight. I'm not, I, I think it's Welterweight. But, um, you know, he, he showed, uh, you know, Pretty solid skills, and again, just you know what he brought to the table. Um, you know, he he'd be a solid up and comer, and that's that's really what the Trike Force Challengers cards are about: is checking out these guys who you know are kind of new to the fight game, or just you know haven't had the exposure, that sort of thing, and and seeing what they have to offer. And you know, eventually, you know, maybe they'll get a get a, get a shot on the big bigger Strike Force cards, that sort of thing. Also got Tyron Tyron Woodley on the uh, the Strike Force card, which uh, another up and comer. Uh, he's six and zero, oh, all submission wins, hmm. and uh, you know, coming off of a win after off of Rudy Bears at the Challengers Five Strike Force card back in November. So um, yeah, another guy to watch out for, and I believe he is um, also a welterweight. So there's a uh, a couple guys in the mix to keep an eye out for. Uh, just looking at the rest of the Challengers card, uh, Tyron Woodley taking on Nathan Coy, Roger Bowling versus Bobby Volker. As I mentioned, Tarek Safadine taking on Nate Moore and Brian Travers versus Pat Healy, I believe, are uh, all the announced fights, or all the, uh, the the main card fights, at least. Um, so, again, not a lot of, you know, aside from Matt Lindland, mainstream fans probably aren't going to recognize many names out there, but uh, some fights to watch out for, at least some fighters to watch out for. I don't know. Again, I don't, I'm not as well educated as I'd like to be on some of these fighters myself, so I can't say if these are all, you know, what kind of matchups these are, but a, a couple up-and-coming guys to keep an eye out for, at least. So, yeah. Well, that's what that card, uh, yeah. this challenge is all about, is the Strike Force equivalent to Ultimate Fight Night on Spike TV, yeah. where you get live fights, but it's not guys that you're going to necessarily flop down $50 for on a pay-per-view. Not that Strike Force has pay-per-view, yes. so I think it's kind of yes. interesting that they feel the need to separate them. It, it makes more sense under the UFC model, where it's like, yeah. well, I like seeing Tom Lawler fight, but I don't know if I'm going to spend money on it kind of deal. Um Strike Force, it's like, well, they, uh, they're they not going to have to spend money on it anyway. So it seems odd to me that they would feel the need to separate that. Right. I mean, because, of course, you have the separation between, like, the Showtime cards and the CBS cards. But, uh, yeah, to differentiate between Showtime cards, you know, why not throw a couple big, you know, big marquee fights on one card and then have a couple of these up-and-comers on the same card? And that way you can spread out your, your top-tier fighters over the course of, of, of the, uh, you know, the year as opposed to, like, really hard-loading the, these cards. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think both bring in decent numbers. I mean, Challengers is on Friday nights, and, you know, um, you know the hardcores are going to watch it either way. So 
we'll see. But um, you know, I guess the thing is to see if it if it is going to build up uh, name value for these fighters because it's watched less than the other cards where Spike TV is available to more people than watch pay per views that sort of thing. So um, we'll see, but it's an opportunity for people to check out uh, some up-and-coming fights, and that's just this Friday. So uh, awesome, fun to see Strikeforce putting back-to-back cards together. Um, other than that, um, news-wise, I think they've got Valby Lashley finalized to fight Ron Sparks at the uh, the E3 event, Strikeforce event. Ron Sparks is five and zero fighter himself. Now, is that going to be televised? Or I believe is that just yeah. for. I couldn't imagine that would be an undercard fight. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, you know, experience-wise, it's not that impressive of a matchup, but it's Bobby Lashley who has the WWE experience, you know, the wrestling, uh, the, the professional wrestling background and, and a couple of legitimate wins. Oh, yeah, got some got some wins. He's still an up-and-comer. Um, you know, he's gotten some grief about, you know, not taking a, a step up in competition yet. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know much about, like, the, you know, behind the uh, scenes, you know, what drama there is. You know, there's been this... Uh, uh, Ray or uh, Shane Del Rosario, who's been floated out there a few times to fight Lashley, and that fight just hasn't come together. And you know, I again, I don't know the, the you know the ins and outs behind the scenes stuff, but you know, this, you know, is Lashley turning these fights down? Is he trying to pad his record? All that, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Um, you know, I guess it is. It's relevant. You know, I was gonna say I don't really care at this point, but you know, it, if that stuff's going on, that's that's interesting to think about. But at the same time, you know. Despite his name, Bobby Lashley is just a five and zero fighter. Yeah. Um. You know he should be you know making improved step, taking steps up. You know fighting better and better competition. But at the same time, if people expect to take to see him fight, you know like Andre Arlovsky, you know Brett Rogers, guys who you know they're coming off losses but are still you know top tier. You know in that higher echelon of heavyweights. You know. I don't think that's going to happen. You know immediately. You know maybe in a few more fights for Lashley. But I think. I, I think a lot of it does have to do with the expectations that Brock Lesnar set, being a former collegiate wrestler, being a former pro wrestler, you know, being a, you know this athletic freak who comes in and just tears guys up. And Lashley has. I mean, Brock Lesnar. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a great force, but yeah. what's his record right now? He's four and one. So yeah. He's also had five fights. Right, but, but he's that, fought yeah. much tougher competition yeah. in those five fights. And, also. He, and he's, he's rolled over most of them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Lashley has not fought that type of competition and. Nor should someone of that, you know, MMA experience necessarily be accept, expected to. Lesnar really is the exception to the rule here. Um, I think the the I'm, thing so that the critics are probably bothered by is not so much that he's fought five fights and hasn't fought anyone yet, so much as it is the exposure that he's getting because yeah. of his name. So when you look at a five fight fighter, I've most likely never heard of you if yeah. you've only had five fights. Um, there are always exceptions. You know, King Mo had only had five fights. Brock Lesnar has still only had five fights. There's a lot of guys who have only had a few fights. But most of the time, for your average guy, if you've only had five fights, you are some complete no-name guy out there, even if you are 5-0. and It takes significantly more than that before you're going to get picked up by a major organization, unless you manage to get some really tough fights and come out ahead in those ones, too. Yeah, he's only fought Wes Sims and Bob Sapp and guys like that. But you know what? He's not really that experienced yet either. Uh, I think it would probably be unwise for the most part to step up and fight Fedor. I'm sure it would draw huge. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that would be a totally bad call on his part. Um, you know, you could say it's padding his record, but you could also say it's building experience because, uh, you know, nobody goes out there and is the best fighter in the world in their first fight. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, if in a few more fights, if Lashley keeps, because he, he has been, you know, having an easy go with most of these fighters, hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been in too much trouble, really. Um, you know, in a few more fights, if he's not taking on, again, not like huge name stars, but if he's not taking a step up in competition, then I think there's grounds for criticism there. Uh, I'm just not as quick to jump on the bandwagon against him, and I'm, people have legit reasons for, you know, not liking Lashley or whatever, but I'm just not, I'm not there yet. Part of it is, you know, I don't want to have a heart attack by age 30, <laughs> whatever. Um, you don't want to worry about this stuff all the time, Tobin? And I didn't bring my stress ball in today, so oh, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't get myself worked up about that. No, you actually use a stress ball, which is so odd. Yeah. I know that's you what they're there for. Face? No. Well, is that, is that really where it's at? It's <laughs> like I, I squeeze this, this ball or you, you just punch yeah. me, which I'm sure you could do no, fine. It, it's, it's really more of a distraction thing than anything else. Half the time I find myself bouncing it off of walls as opposed to, like, stressing on it, you mm-hmm. know? So. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, I can't keep a, a, a pair of sunglasses for a long enough time and you've got yeah. a stress ball. All right. I think it's, yeah. that means you're a great man, Tobin Shelby. Yeah. A yeah. very stressed out one, though. Apparently, apparently. Um, other MMA stuff, we don't have the, uh, you know, we got the Ultimate Fighter ongoing. We've got... Uh, I have the, not been watching yeah. it. We've you know, got the 20... What, the next UFC big card is the 29th? Right? Yeah, we got a week. So, yeah. uh, no... Again, we've got the Challengers card, but no huge MMA events this, this weekend, unless you count... Uh, I believe I saw it earlier floating around the uh, advertisement. Um, former UFC heavyweight champion Tim Silvio back in action fighting... Um, He's fighting the strongman guy. Yeah, the Polish Marius strongman. Pudinski or whatever. Yeah, which is... Um, some crazy name that I can't yeah. say. Something about Puchinski? What? It's I'm a cop, you're a dog? I don't... He's not fighting Puchinski. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> but uh, that's, I believe that's coming up this weekend, and again, that's kind of one of those... Uh, that, that's not a big-name fight other than a former UFC heavyweight championship is fighting in it, and it's just like... I don't even know if it's a rel- It's not a relevant fight, but uh, the same thing could be said about Tim Sylvia's last fight against Rory Mercer, I believe. Who, uh, you know, it was the uh, boxer versus MMA fighter, and Tim Sylvia should have won that fight because he should have been able to take down a guy who has no mm-hmm. MMA experience and, and beat him on the ground, and he got knocked out in less than a minute. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really shown how far yeah. Tim Sylvia's stock has fallen. You know, a year or two ago, he was fighting Fedor. You know, he lost to him quickly, but, you know, he, Tim Sylvia yeah, was. Yeah, he was fighting him. Yeah, he was fighting top MMA com- competition. You know, for a while, Tim Sylvia was, you know, a top 10, top 15 heavyweight. The game's changed a lot since he was on top of the UFC. But at the same time, you know, if he's losing to a guy who has, you know, two or three MMA fights, has no gas tank, has no substantial stand-up, you know, who's claimed to fame as being a strong man, um, you know, if he loses that, then that's that's really the only interest in my – my interest in that card is, you know, is Tim Sylvia completely done as a legit, you know – well, MMA fighter at all, you know. One thing that I read about the Ray Mercer fight was yeah. that Tim Sylvia was like over 300 pounds he for that fight. He came in huge for that fight. So it makes you wonder if he trained for that at all. Was he just thinking like, oh, he's a boxer, I'm a mixed martial arts fighter, we're doing a mixed martial arts match, not a boxing match, how is he going to win? And, you know, just sitting at home eating Doritos all day. Mm-hmm. Or was he actually training at all? And, you know, if, if you're that big of a weight, I know that he tends to make a weight cut down to 265, but... Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just uh, thinking he was going to rest on his experience and, and win the fight that way. Uh, so let's see what he comes in ways in at this fight, because I would think Tim Sylvia should be able to win this fight in terms of mixed martial arts credentials. Yeah. He should be able to. And, he, you know, he's fighting a really strong guy, but he's a really big dude. 
He's uh, six foot eight. He got a huge reach. Mm-hmm. He can do high kicks on heavyweights, which is, uh, you know, you don't see a whole lot of that. But he knocked yeah. out Trey Tellerman and looks like he put him into a coma with a big old head kick. So, I mean, this is a fight that Tim Sylvia should win. Yeah. If he doesn't, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a sad day for him. His, his stock's already dropped to the point where, like you said, it's not relevant anymore. He would have to do an insane amount of career build, rebuilding to ever, you know, show back up into a, a major mixed martial arts organization. Yeah, I mean, Strike Force has kind of gotten a lot of grief for taking, you know, the UFC leftovers and cast off. They haven't even gone near Tim Sylvia yet, which is uh, just bad news for him. And part of it could be the weight issues and that. But uh, yeah, he's fighting uh, Marius Pudzinowski. I'm sure I just completely butchered his name. Um, and you also got to keep in mind, despite it, you know, he's got a lack of MMA experience, two fights to his name. Um, and he just fought, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, you know. Yeah. So uh, the, he, Tim Sylvia should not lose this fight. If he does, you know, he's he's and hopefully he's we in don't trouble. hear about him anymore. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So uh, other than that, um, Bellator's ongoing. I haven't really been keeping up with it, but you know, it's as we mentioned kind of earlier. Roger Huerta lost an upset upset recently. Um, so there's always kind of you know, it, it's just on such a bad. It's on Thursday nights for me. Uh, and they've got all these preemptions on Fox Sportnet, but at the same time, you know, they're putting on good MMA. If you can catch it, check it out. Um, they're they're building towards you know the the tournament finals for a lot of their weight classes now, um, and, and so we'll get to see the uh, the uh, the title fights here. I believe coming up, you know, pretty soon. So um, you know, plenty of MMA out there. The quality varies, but uh, and we get to talk about uh, UFC Rashad versus Rampage soon. But um, I mentioned the Ultimate Fighter. I'm at, I don't think my DVR even recorded the last episode of The Ultimate Fighter. I don't know if it's just decided it's not worth taping or what, but did you guys uh, catch it or been uh, catch this last episode? Yeah, I missed the the two previous episodes mm-hmm. to this. Just, you know, one of the time I was watching a local show, and then uh, the other time I just forgot about it. This time I was ready to go. Yeah. I was sitting in front of my TV a half hour early. I was just going to watch the, the UFC pre-show with the, uh, you know, the, the old fights, and it's just like, Oh great! Spike TV isn't working. Oh. Switched over to Versus because it says you know it's gonna it'll be back soon. You know please wait. Switched over to Versus. Got to watch some whacked out sports. Yes. And then kept switching back. Wasn't coming up. Mm. So after an hour later, I went to bed and cried. Oh. Yeah, we don't know what happened. Probably not much. I, I'm pretty sure I got a little recap from a guy at work. Um, I guess they had the wild card thing going on. Mm. They picked Casey. Scola? Who was the dude who got disqualified for the illegal knee? Right, right. Um, and uh, a guy with a beard. Okay. Who yeah, had yeah. lost a, a decision, I believe. Mm, okay, yeah, that dude. I don't know if they fought yet or not. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's gonna be some really weird podcast part because yeah, none of us saw it. That's none of us yeah. got a good recap. It, it, it's kind of late by the time you know this rolls right. around, anyways, and. Do you, you know, really it, uh, need to hear it from us? Yeah, yeah, and I was like kind of into it for the first couple of episodes, but just for the Tito and Chuck stuff, and then as soon as you get out of the loop of that, you know, you you just lose uh, yeah. caring. It, it has lost some steam having not seen it. I'm still interested, though. We haven't missed Tito leave. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I know that much. So we can still catch that if we watch the next episode. Okay. But, um, yeah. It certainly lost some of the interest just that I haven't seen the last few episodes, and uh, that'll always happen. 
I, I would assume Jamie Yeager's still pissing teammates off. Probably. That seems like the kind of thing he would do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the show's taped months ago, so it's not like from a relevant standpoint, you know, like not like the fights necessarily matter. It's interesting to see the fighters develop, and you know, once we get to the live finale, that'll be that'll be fun. But yeah, as far as like you know, week to week, um, it, it's not it's not the most relevant thing with all the other stuff that you know comes out of the MMA media within the course of a week. The Ultimate Fighter results aren't that huge. There's always the uh, the fun drama and stuff, but. Yeah. You know, when's Tito going to collapse and, you know, have to have his kidney removed or whatever the crap happens to him on the show, you know? Uh-huh. We'll, uh, we'll see. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to touch on? Oh, we could throw out that knee incident real quick. Oh, wow. They've, they've come out with uh, a new camera angle, uh, which is really more of an extended clip than it is a new camera angle, I guess. Um, Josh Koscheck, Paul Daly. Yeah. Um, you know they had the phantom knee, where uh, you know they they had the the fight stopped, mm-hmm. and uh, all of a sudden they're they're watching the replay. It's like, wait a minute, that knee completely missed Josh Koscheck's head. Why is he faking it? Well, the new extended video shows that there were two knees, um, and they only showed us the second one in the replay, which clearly missed Josh Koscheck's head. But the first one may have hit him. The results are a little inconclusive because you don't actually see the strike, but you see the leg move, you see the head bounce back, yep. and, you know, there was some blood on Koscheck's face afterwards. So, you know, maybe he wasn't quite faking it so much after all. Although, there's been kind of a rebuttal video put out on YouTube, mm. which also is kind of hard to see, but then that angle makes it look like the first one didn't really connect too much either. Pretty interesting, but um, Josh Koscheck may not be as much of a faker as it looked. Right. He still probably may have oversold it a little bit, but you know what? If you uh, if you get hit by an illegal yeah. shot, you don't need to be knocked out to get your little break in. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. and that's kind of the nice thing about the YouTube generation in general is, you know, that... Y- you can find stuff like this, and, you know, it, it helps inform, you know, the, the conversation. That sort of thing was a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, I, I watched that clip a couple times. It, it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, it's a bad camera angle, and they cut, and then, you know, Dan Mergliata is, you know, kind of right in front of the action. Mergliata! He's such a large man. He's blocking the camera angle. So it, it's hard to tell, but uh, it, it is interesting because, yeah, that's not, a replay, that's not part of the replay we saw, you know, during the, the event. Um, so, so who knows, uh, you know, what will come of that. I mean, it, it, honestly, at this point, it doesn't necessarily, as far as, you know, aside, except for, you know, um, Josh Koscheck, Paul Daly's reputations, it doesn't really matter. Daly's out of the UFC. Koscheck has his title shot. And he's hated already. Right. So it's not like it, it does a lot, but just for, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the sanctity of the sport, I guess, you know, it'd be nice to know for sure what happened. Yeah. Um, um just totally lost my train of thought right there. Hey, no worries. I, we we umbed each other out, so it happens. <laughs> you know, a lot of other MMA stuff kind of going down, and, you know, we've been talking for a lot, and a lot of the stuff we can talk about, you know, in the coming weeks. One of them was just uh, in the build-up to UFC 114, which certainly we'll talk about more in the in, next week. Um, but it sounds like there's been some issues with the, the Lozans. Um, Dan Uh-oh. Lozan. Yeah, Dan Lozan, uh, I believe, training for for a fight up in the upcoming card. Sounds like he basically got dumped by his camp, which includes his own brother. Whoa! So, um, you know, this has just kind of, you know, been ongoing for the last day or two. There's been some blog posts back and forth between the two and basically questioning uh, his Dan Lozan's uh, commitment to training uh, from from his own brother. 
Um, so there'll be a lot more, you know, to see where that goes. But it sounds like he's, you know, had to come up with a, a last-minute, you know, corner team at this point because his own camp is just basically like, oh, that's not a good sign. That, they just yeah. wipe their hands of you. Brother fight. That's yeah. what I want to see. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. work. So uh, work it. yeah, we'll have Maybe. to see how that that pans out in the coming, uh, you know, coming weeks and, and right before the, you know, really two weeks out before UFC 114. Uh, the other thing over the weekend, really quick, Don King shutting down an MMA fight. Uh, it was a, it was a smaller card. Yeah. It was called Shine Fights, um, but uh, Ricardo Mayorga, boxer, was set to fight uh, Dean Thomas, uh-huh. uh, MMA veteran. And uh, it sounds like you know there are some issues back and forth between uh, the bo- Don King boxing promoter, of course. Uh, but it sounds like you know up until like Thursday afternoon or Friday, you know, it looked like Shine Fights was going to happen over the weekend, and then uh, come, come the day of, card gets canceled. Don King has an injunction filed against the uh, the fight promoter, and it just because uh, the the boxer is under his contract. Yeah, yeah, and basically Don King owns, you know, has the re- basically you know he has the right to promote a- any of the uh, Mayorga's fights. So uh, hmm. that, yeah, Don King effectively only can take off you know his one fighter, but the, the state athletic commission yeah. ended up shutting down the rest of the card, which was weird. The like the the athletic commissions shut down the card, and because there's a lot of other, you know, again not big name fights, but a lot of you know legit MMA fighters, MMA fights on that card, and you know they just basically got screwed out of getting paid. Yeah, and you know it was on pay per view. What if people, you know, I don't know if they're going to reimburse people or what, but I mean, you know, people might have ordered that pay per view, and then if it got canceled, hopefully they'll get their money back. Mm. But uh, it was weird, you know. I wasn't necessarily surprised that you know this pro boxer had some issues getting you know cleared to a. Uh, fight MMA. Especially if he's a Don King guy. Yeah, exactly. And he probably would have lost unless Dean Thomas went crazy and decided to, like, you know, stand up with him for any substantial amount of time. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised that that fight, you know, didn't come together, but I was surprised that the entire card got canceled. Um, because of that, yeah. Because that's of that, you odd. know. You know well, that sounds the, like more of the promoter's, you know, fault than anything else. But it, it was the commission that shut the card down, oh. which, I just, again, just struck me as weird. Um, You know, uh, this, I believe this card had Ninja Who on it, you know, Shogun's little brother, and, you know, not as good of a fighter, clearly, but, you know, he there's some still, he's a legit fighter, you know, he's got some good wins under his belt, some good fights under his belt, and, you know, he, he's got some name recognition, so it wasn't like, you know, clearly this boxing versus MMA fight was going to sell the card, but there were some other good fights on here, and, you know, again, it really comes down to a lot of MMA fighters getting screwed out of a payday, so I'll be interested to see what the ramifications of this are. Both from, you know, like this injunction against Shine Fights by Don King, and then, you know, how are these other fighters who are going to fight, are they going to be compensated? What's going to happen next for them? Yeah, that's really interesting because yeah, these guys rely on these paydays. They pay other people to train them. Uh, so I wonder if there's going to be more lawsuits coming up from uh, fighters because, uh, I mean, they could potentially have someone to uh, settle with the athletic commission. Yeah. So a weird strange trip it's been over the last week at MMA, but uh, who knows? I, I think that's it. Uh, fingers crossed. Spencer Pratt going to corner Kevin Casey at Strike Force. Man, that, wouldn't that be fun, huh? Uh, Watch him dance around a bonfire for a little bit, <laughs> trying to act all tough, we'll but see. he's Spencer Pratt. <laughs> you should check out some of his stuff, Greg. He's, I'll do that uh, I get home. He's Spencer a real piece Pratt. of ass. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, anything else from you, Greg? You have anything? No, I think that pretty much covered it. Okay. Well, we, Greg and I won a beer pong championship. So. That's right. Yeah. Well, it actually kept us pretty sober for the most part. Yeah. It was, it was unfortunate. 
So we were trying to get drunk. That's right. Yeah. But we kept on winning. Uh, you're so good. It's it's horrible. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tobin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Almost supportive thing you said all day. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for saying something supportive. You want me to undercut you? <laughs> oh, you're fine. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Leave a comment. Like, you know, why not? You can also download us on iTunes, uh, the Audio Choke at Facebook and Twitter.com, respectively. And until next week, I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. See you then. Audio Choke. Sure, but then it's like, I don't know, a lot of like a lot of matted paintings, and that's kind of cool, but then they break the fourth wall sometimes, and yeah. blood splatters on the camera. Yeah. yeah. I like mm. the blood splattering, splattering on the backdrop. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, the backdrop. No, no, it was all right. It was, it was an action movie. Yeah. Wasn't really. So it at least had Tarantino in it. It wasn't like Tarantino likes this movie, right, so yeah. he wants you to watch it. Like, Hero. yeah, he actually he actually appeared in it as well. That one like, blew my mind. It's like he's not in it. Yeah. He didn't direct it. Just, he didn't produce it. Yeah. He didn't write it. It's just like he liked that movie. So got now we can the watch dumb it. American audiences into it, man. It's like, hey, I know you guys wouldn't watch normally watch awesome kung fu movies or whatever. So Tarantino likes it. <laughs> and go. Yeah. You got to have some serious power in Hollywood to like oh, yeah. be able to re-release a movie just with your name on it. Yeah, and that's the way. That's the only way it can get like you know bought, sold. Well, I actually wouldn't have even seen it based on that. I just saw it because like Brett wanted to go check it out. Because he's all kung fu movie-ish. That movie pissed me off, though. It was so slow. Did you ever see that, Hero? I did, I did, yeah. Like, the fight scenes were cool, but, man, they could have told that story in, like, a half hour if they wanted to. Well, it was kind of, like, more of, like, kind of the traditional uh, historical kung fu epic, where it's, you know, they try to balance the the artistic-y stuff with, you know, storytelling. But welcome to America, bitch. I know. We like it fast and sloppy. Well, that's usually how the movies get recut over here anyways, right? (laughs) That's true. I guess. All right, shall we? I guess. Let's do it. What's wrong? What did I do? I said I guess. You know what you did. You know what you did. (laughs)